When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Hello, friends. Welcome into another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. And with me, as always, of course, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. And lest we forget, the I'm Fat Podcast, Mr. Zawoski. I feel like uh, we we still talk fairly regularly, even with hockey not going on. And I got to say, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm glad that we're able to continue doing this. I do. I look forward to talking to you every week. And this week on the Madhouse Podcast, we've got a lot of news as it pertains to the NHL and to the Blackhawks specifically. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. Send us an email, MadhousePod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook facebook.com slash madhousehockeychi and of course you can go to madhousepod.com newly updated uh, links to all of our new sponsors including dr squatch you can find everything you need at madhousepod.com we have a threadless shop on there in the coming weeks and months i'll be working with triple threat to have a little more of a functional uh podcast shop on there so big things coming so if you've not checked out madhousepod.com yet Head over there, check it out. All of our episodes are there. Very easy to find, very easy to navigate. And uh, yeah, so uh, earlier this week, ESPN hosted their Return to Sports special, hosted by Mike Greenberg uh, of ESPN, obviously. He used to work at The Score a long, long, long time ago. And he spoke to Gary Bettman, and he spoke to Patrick Kane. And I'm, we're going to play audio from both of those interviews. But before we do, uh, James, it's very strange to be feeling as good about Gary Bettman as I've been feeling lately, as you see Roger Goodell and and obviously Rob Manfred sort of blundering everything lately. Uh, Gary Bettman, kind of surprisingly, he's got his ducks in a row. The NHL plan seems to be the most stable. They seem the most ready to go. And uh, I have to admit, you know, if we're going to be critical when he deserves criticism, we've got to give him some praise when he deserves praise. I think he's been on top of this stuff pretty well. Yeah, I, I would be inclined to agree with you about that. Obviously, I think the 
thing that we do have to keep in mind here is we do have to be careful not to be too effusive in our praise of him during the planning of all of this. I really do want to kind of see how this is all executed, whether it's just the simple idea of having the hub cities, uh, arranging for the transportation and the hotels for everybody, and then the actual playing of games and more importantly, the continued testing and contact tracing. I want to know how that's all going to go down. I know we have this ideal version where all the teams are in these bubbles. We don't have to worry about them really encountering anybody else, but you get like one, two, three guys who test positive for coronavirus, which almost feels like it is going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of how you deal with it. That to me is going to be the ultimate barometer of whether or not we can really uh, give plaudits and and praise to Gary Bettman. I will say, however, that you are absolutely correct that we do take a lot of opportunities to kind of like bash uh, him and the NHL, whether it's backwards thinking or bad promotional (laughs) awareness or whatever it is. These plans that they have come up with, though, I do very much think that these are probably about as good of a plan as you can get. And I do like the fact that they took so much input, it seemed, from owners and players alike, and they really are going to make this as equitable and as close to the normal Stanley Cup playoffs as they can. And I do have to give Batman and the NHL a lot of credit for the way that they kind of systematically went through and addressed a bunch of different uh, potential issues that could happen with this. And I will say the plans so far look good. Well, let's hear from Gary Bettman right now. Again, this is courtesy of ESPN Television. This is NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman with Mike Greenberg. Hockey is not a game that can be played with social distancing. So when your players or anyone have asked you, is it safe to play? What is the right answer to that? The answer is, and thank you for having me with you today, is we're relying on the medical experts uh, and we're going to be focused jointly with the Players Association. Everything we've been doing has been a joint effort working together uh, to make sure that we're adhering to the protocols, which will be very strict, uh, and we will carefully monitor with extensive testing Uh, all the players that are in the hub cities and the supporting personnel. When we began the process of focusing on coming back, we were really focused on two health issues. The first was obviously COVID-19, and again, we're going to rely on the professionals who are telling us, uh, including Dr. Fauci, that this is something that, that we can do and we can do it safely. And secondly, For a lot of our players, uh, this is the longest they've ever gone without skating. And we determined, again jointly with the players, that in order to move forward, our players had to get back into game-ready shape and we didn't want to rush them along, which is why we've been very flexible on the dating from when we first announced our return to play plan. Can you take us through a little bit of the testing protocol? That, that to me, is, I think, the most fascinating part of all of this and the inevitability that you will have a positive test. What will happen then? Well, first of all, test, players are going to be tested every day, as will the supporting personnel. Uh, and if there's one positive test, again, this will be under the strict guidance of the medical people, uh, that person will be isolated and will be monitoring anybody through contact tracing that was in close proximity. Obviously, for any sport, if you have a major outbreak, it's going to change everything, but we're being told that an isolated case or a couple of isolated cases shouldn't interfere with the plans uh, and we should be able to move forward. And again, the notion and the way we've handled this is to create a bubble where where we're basically COVID-19 free and we now open training facilities and players are returning literally from all over the world and they're being tested and when we go to training camp there will be more testing so by the time we get to what we call phase four which is the actual playing in the two hub cities uh, we should have a pretty good sense of what our population is uh, and how well they've been tested and monitored I can't tell you the number of times I've quoted you over the last three months and something that you said on my show, Get Up, one morning, when you were talking about, at that time, theoretically, if you had the opportunity to return, that any postseason and any championship that you were to play would have to be won 
that would be consistent with the integrity of the Stanley Cup championship. For all these years, it's been contested. It would have to be a champion that would stand alongside the others historically. So how did you arrive, in, with that as the context, at the plan you have? Uh, that's a great question, and, and let me take it in two phases. And again, we did this in consultation with the players uh, that were on a return to play committee, and they felt as strongly about the integrity of the competition as we did. We, we had 189 regular season games left uh, as of March 12th when we took the break. So while the regular season was largely completed, uh, we had a number of teams that were on the bubble. And you know we have extraordinary competitive balance. And any uh, of those teams that were on the bubble outside of the top 16, eight in each conference, had a legitimate chance of making the playoffs, some more than others. Uh, and we decided we needed a play-in round to give those teams a chance to ultimately make the playoffs, uh, and that's going to be uh, eight best-of-five series. And then uh, we're going to the regular Stanley Cup playoffs, which is uh, four rounds of best-of-seven with the 16 teams uh, that, that are there. The top eight teams will be given a bye for the uh, for the play-in round, but we're going to be playing the best of seven for four rounds, uh, which is what it takes generally to determine the Stanley Cup champion. And I think everybody can feel good based on the combination of the play-in round and the way we're going to run the playoffs, that this will be a full competition, uh, which will bring out the best in our teams and our players. And the Stanley Cup champion will be deserving of that crown and the most storied trophy in all the sports. All right, so as you heard in that interview, again, that audio courtesy of ESPN, uh, they expect someone to test positive during these playoffs, and they seem like they're pretty equipped to handle it. At least they say so. And again, this thing, it's kind of everything seems to change every day in terms of the science behind it, in terms of what we know and don't know. But as of now, the NHL feels that if a player tests positive, they'll be able to get that player uh, isolated and not have it affect an entire playoff series and have to shut down the entire league. So that's encouraging. Who knows what happens a month from now? Who knows where we're at in the country a month from now? But what, what I like about what Bettman said, top to bottom, in that interview is that they've considered everything. And I've said for months that I have no faith that the NHL is going to be the team to is going to be the league to lead sports back, but they've done a hell of a job and I'm very impressed. And uh, it sounds like just listening to Gary Bettman there that they've considered most things and they have a plan for whatever might happen. Yeah. And I think that the league is going to, it seems as though they're going to be very proactive in terms of ensuring that if a player does test positive, that they're going to get that player isolated as quickly as possible. That's why it's so it's such a key to minimize the number of people that are around these guys on a regular basis. That's really the end game, right? That the R naught number has to be as close to zero as possible. These guys come in contact with as few of people as possible. And it really does seem like the NHL has taken that extremely seriously. And they're also taking very seriously the idea that they do need to test these players as often as possible. Frankly, one test a week would not be adequate. It would not allow you the ability to find out if a guy tests positive and is asymptomatic or whatever. Because remember, even an asymptomatic person, they can spread this right. virus. So you can't just wait until a guy experiences symptoms. I think that the league is absolutely right that they want to do as many tests as possible. And thankfully, we as a state and we as a country seems like we're really ratcheting up the availability of testing, which I know we're going to get to in a moment when we discuss the potential hub cities that could be chosen by the NHL. But it does very much seem like they are they're not just saying that they're consulting with scientists. It does sound like they really are really taking those recommendations to heart. And again, I will I will give Gary Bettman credit for that level of planning that the NHL has been doing. And, you know, you just have to hope that everything does come off the way that they plan because it really does seem like they've kind of put together the best path forward that they possibly can. Well, I think one part of this that needs acknowledgement is the fact that the Players Association in the NHL is not as powerful 
as it is in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball. That has to be acknowledged. The players do not have as much power as those other players do based on salary alone, based on the hard cap, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Also, I think the culture of hockey is more of the we want to play no matter what. We don't care what you say. Let's be honest. A lot of these guys are high school educated or less, so maybe they're not so up on the actual science of things, so they're a little more willing to throw caution to the wind to play. That's a part of it, and I'm not trying to stereotype NHL players as dumb or uneducated or things like that, but but those are the facts. These guys are not traditionally – they don't go through – you know, the college experience or, or a lot of schooling, a lot of the, especially some of the top guys are all hockey from the time they're what, 12, 13, 14. And, you know, education sort of takes a backseat a little bit. So um, that's, that's a factor as well. I think NHL players in general, for whatever reason, are more willing to say, screw it, let's just go, we'll figure it out. And we're going to trust the league to do what's best by us. But Look, if I was a player and I was feeling the way I actually feel, where I'm very conservative about conservative about um, staying safe, staying home, keeping people apart, like I'm, I'm really still doing that as best I can. Um, I would feel good about what they've presented. So now it's sort of a wait and see. All right, so you just heard from Gary Bettman. Patrick Kane was also part of that ESPN Return to Sports special. He had a couple things to say about getting back on the ice what it's going to take to get up to playoff speed, and a whole lot more. So let's give this a listen as well. This is Patrick Kane on ESPN with Mike Greenberg. We're delighted to bring Patrick Kane into the conversation here. Patrick, thank you for this. The first thought that I had is what is it like to be back out on the ice again? You guys are accustomed to skating every day of your lives, and obviously these last three months have been different. What has it been like to be back out there? Well, it feels good. It feels good to have some type of normalcy back in our life. Um I think more than anything, we, we love being on the ice. We love skating, and uh, that's how it's been for us the past. I think we've been on the ice four days now, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday last week, and then today again. So nice to be back out there. Nice to just play the game we love. How much time do you think you need and your teammates will need in order to be in the kind of shape that you need to be in to play meaningful NHL games? It's a good question. I think everyone's going to be a little bit different. I think um, – you know, for me personally, I think I'm a guy that needs to be on the ice a lot, to skate a lot, to really feel like I'm, I'm dialed in and ready to go. So that's why I'm trying to get out there as early as possible and get as much time on, on the ice as, uh, as I can. Um, but it sounds like we'll have enough time. It sounds like um, from, uh, you know, what they're saying, training camps would open on July 10th if that tends to happen and should give us, uh, you know, about three weeks to get ready for the season, which I think should be enough. The safety protocols have not yet been fully worked out. So what will you need to hear in order to feel comfortable that it's safe for you to go back and play? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, I think that's the, the biggest concern maybe right now with the players. There's obviously some, some other issues that we're trying to get sorted out as well. But you want to be safe. You want to be healthy. I mean, we don't want to put ourselves uh, ahead of everyone else in the world just uh, just so we can play a sport and play hockey again. We want to make sure everything's taken care of. Just from being back and all the, the measures we're taking so far, it seems like they're kind of ahead of the curve and taking all the precautions that are necessary to keep us safe and healthy. Just, just being at the rink right now, whether it's you know, getting tested a couple times a week for COVID or um, the precautions are taken while we're at the rink. Um, they're definitely uh, doing everything they can. So that's appreciative. Let's talk about the fans. I've been in that building. I covered sports in Chicago for a long time. There is nothing like the sound and the feel and the energy in an arena during an NHL playoff game. Obviously, it isn't going to be that this year without the fans in the seats. What do you anticipate that being like? Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, you, you maybe take it for granted a little bit because, um, you know, we are so lucky and fortunate to have 22,000 fans every night in our building and uh, just seemed like another game. You know, it was the last uh, I've been there. This is my 13th year now, and it just seemed like every night it was sold out. And Maybe you take it for granted a little bit. So um, obviously we won't be able to have that, but um, I think I, I would like to think once you, you get into um, – competitive games um i think hockey hockey players are pretty competitive in general that, that uh you know what you're playing for you know there's a chance that the opportunity to play in the playoffs and, and to win a stanley cup 
I think that's an amazing opportunity for any hockey player. And uh, I don't think any, anyone would really worry about um, uh, kind of the viewing if, uh, if someone won a championship or an asterisk, if, if you'd like to say, because it's, it's, unprecedented, it's unprecedented times. And uh, um, us as players, I mean, I think uh, anytime you get a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup, uh, you're doing that and uh, um, taking advantage fully of it. So, um, uh, like you said, no fans would be totally different, but um, take maybe a little bit away from the games and the excitement. But I think as players, we would like to um, still put on a show because, you know, there's a lot of uh, people that be watching on TV and, and kind of increase our viewership on TV that way. That audio courtesy of ESPN. Glad they let us use it, even though we didn't ask. They just, you know, I just gave it credit. So that, that counts, I think. I hope we'll find out I if the say. podcast gets shut down and James and I go to jail. Um, <laughs> but as long as James is my roommate, I'm happy. We can keep the podcast going that way. Um, yeah, we'll socially distance <laughs> in jail, too. We'll we'll make sure that we're being responsible. So a bit of a different tone from Patrick Kane than we heard from him last week during the Blackhawks press conferences where he was sort of like, well, we haven't really agreed to anything yet. He still said that, but it was a we haven't agreed to anything yet. However, I feel good about what I've heard. So that that seems a little more optimistic coming from him. And the concept of having to like having to return to hockey and start playing playoff hockey basically well basically right away after your air quotes training camp, that's gonna be a big adjustment. And it's good to see him on the ice as often as he said he was, because like he said, he's a guy that needs to be on the ice a lot to feel ready. I wonder if we're gonna have some guys who maybe are feeling a little more scared than other guys who are gonna wait until the last minute to join training camp and are they going to have to catch up in terms of conditioning in terms of their legs etc and will they be able to get that back in time for the playoffs yeah that's definitely something that excuse me I know we've talked about a lot like just that like rust factor and whether or not like it's going to kind of impact the quality of play once the playoffs or playing round or whatever you want to term that first little uh bit of action I I think that that's definitely a concern I'm glad that Patrick kind of articulated uh that I did also like that some of the comments that he made about like whether or not the players were to be kind of ready to get back up to speed even without like the momentum potentially generated by being in your home building and the crowd noise and all that like the atmosphere is unquestionably going to be different playing playoff games in empty arenas and I thought that he did a really good job of kind of explaining that ultimately what drives these guys isn't necessarily just that noise like yeah they'll have to get used to it but you're ultimately still playing for the Stanley Cup and that he says is going to be enough to kind of motivate guys and I think that once we get past that kind of initial the fear potentially of you know going back out on the ice and being together with your teammates I think that the league is serious enough about safety that I feel like that should hopefully alleviate a lot of the concerns that a lot of these guys have and then that next step of kind of getting used to the newness and the weirdness of the atmosphere in these arenas I think those are both going to be kind of challenges to get over but I do think with the way that the NHL has kind of set all this up and with the almost like normal formatting that's going to take place once we get past the play-in rounds and you get to that round of 16, I think that the players should be able to adjust to all those things relatively quickly. Have you been watching any Bundesliga soccer since it's come back? I certainly have. They have the piped-in crowd chants. Which I don't like. Well, at least when you're watching on TV, it feels kind of normal. And the game I was watching yesterday had cutouts of the fans behind the goals and in the lower level seats that looked kind of weird um, Borussia Mönchengladbach they are my uh, chosen uh, Bundesliga team I have decided to bandwagon them go Foles and yes <laughs> right. that is very awkward yeah but I, I think that if you're watching on TV the crowd noise kind of works and I could see the NHL kind of piping in crowd sound for these games because I think for the players it would feel weird to not have crowd noise while they're playing to play in silence would be very strange maybe or maybe they have kind of like the NBA does because NBA crowds are not loud throughout right so during possessions they've got the boom 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 like just ambient sound or or music playing while the game's going on I wonder what the NHL is going to do in terms of that but I think silence is not an option because if you've got those ice mics on (laughs) 
you're going to catch some salty language for sure from those guys. So I, it's going to be really interesting to see how this is done. Bottom line, I don't really care. As long as they come back and as long as it's safe, I will watch it in any way, shape, or form it's presented. I am really curious to see what our, or here I should say, what our listeners have to say about whether or not they like the idea of piped-in crowd noise for the playoffs. I have not been a big fan of it in Bundesliga, especially when you don't have the cutouts of fans, when you see empty seats and you're still hearing chants, it is kind of odd, I will say. Like, there is a little bit of a disconnect that kind of goes on with that, but, you know, I might be in the minority on that. I would like to hear from some of our listeners about what they think of that idea. I personally would go with the KBO idea, the Korea Baseball Organization idea, and have stuffed animals along the boards. And then maybe occasionally when the players are up (laughs) along the boards, you play in like a piped in, like banging on the glass just so we can all get angry about something. Yeah, or have someone in Detroit stand in front of the camera. And just have one person in the arena yelling, shoot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a good idea. Well, hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Maybe we'll put a poll up on the Twitter account as well. By the way, we mentioned earlier our friends at Triple Threat Sports. They are still churning out masks. If you need some masks, look, it took my daughter until now to find a mask that fit her correctly. So go visit triplethreatsports.com or their Facebook page. Hit up Chris at triplethreatsports.com to place your order. You can order one mask. You can order up to 10,000 masks. You could do it plain, whatever color you want. If you want a logo on there, you can do it. I saw some heavy metal logos on there the other day. I think I saw ACDC and some other metal bands like that. I've seen sports team logos. So if you're still in the market for a mask or you want to equip your team or whatever, hit them up. Triplethreatsports.com, 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it. They can make it. And we also want to shout out our friends at Marishka's and Crest Hill. They are family owned and operated since 1933. The poor boys, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, they're still open for curbside pickup. They're actually doing quite well during this time. So go support a locally owned, family owned institution in Crest Hill at Marishka's. You got to try that poor boy the first time. But man, as things start to open up again, that's going to be one of the first places I visit because they that bar they've gotten there with those delicious craft beers. I cannot wait to go visit Joe and the Zadralovich family at Marishka's. Again, 604 Theodore Street. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So give them a call. Facebook.com slash Marishka's or Marishka's.com. James, you want to take a quick time out? When we come back, we'll talk about Chicago being considered as a host city and some potential controversy on the way for the Blackhawks. We'll explain it all next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports' top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school and expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. I am in Homewood. James Naveau out there in Bourbon A. Cannot wait to see my guy James again and do a podcast in person. We've got to hit the links pretty soon, too. I was able to do that yesterday with my buddy Micah for his 40th birthday. That was wonderful. Uh, but first, I told you about MadhousePod.com. You can visit all of our sponsors. Go check out our friends at Fry the Coop, the best damn hot chicken you've ever had. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town. They also have a location at Wells Street Market that should be opening soon as soon as we enter phase four and more locations coming soon. You've got to go there. I've told you about the donut fried chicken sandwich. I get the tender plate every time I go, but just the classic Nashville fried chicken sandwich. It's the fried chicken coleslaw pickles, special sauce on a brioche bun. 
delicious. They've got six levels of heat, and I'm telling you, there's two above hot, and I like hot food, and I cannot handle the hot. So if you've got the nerve to try the crazy or the little insanity, do it. And if you survive, let us know. MadhousePod at gmail.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Check them out at FryTheCoop.com. They are doing a tremendous job of having uh, curbside pickup windows. Very safe, very clean. Uh, we've been going to Fry the Coop a lot since the pandemic struck, and I have never felt more secure picking up a food order. So go to FryTheCoop.com. So a little bit of news, James, as the uh, return to hockey conversations continue around the country and around the world. Chicago seems to be picking up some steam as a potential host city. Uh, Pierre Lebrun mentioned it on Insider Trading on TSN the other day. Nothing is secure. Nothing is guaranteed. Lebrun also mentioned that during the latest talk with owners that Gary Bettman still talked about all 10 potential host cities. So nothing's been decided yet. No one's been eliminated. But picking up some steam lately are Vegas and Chicago. And, and one reason Pierre said Chicago's picking up steam is because that's where he feels like the players want to be. As we were seeing Chicago, James, as a host city, I sort of thought, well, you know, it's a big city. Who knows what the coronavirus is going to look like here? But when you think about it, there's a lot of rinks within the downtown area. Obviously, a lot of hotels. Uh, you know, you've seen the map of the coronavirus heat map. And, and Chicago and Illinois have actually done really, really well and uh, making their numbers get better. James, you can speak on it better than I can as you cover this all the time for NBC. But you've got an NHL rink at Johnny's West. You've got the Fifth Third Arena where the Blackhawks practice. You've got the Allstate Arena, if you could use that. And obviously the United Center, is that that's I think there's two at Fifth Third Arena that are NHL-sized. Mm-hmm. That's five NHL-sized rinks within, what, 15 miles of each other? And if you eliminate the Allstate... They're all within five or ten miles of each other. This It's very doable in Chicago. So I could definitely see Chicagoland emerging as a, as a host city for the NHL, and I never thought that I would say that when this whole thing was presented. Uh, yeah, Jay, you're – I mean, you're absolutely right, obviously, about the numbers. I mean, the hospitalization data – has been looking a lot better in the Northeast region as a whole the last couple of weeks. I saw yesterday that hospital admissions for COVID-19 in the region are down 82% the last 28 days. That is absolutely astonishing. There's plenty of bed availability and vent availability. So we're well we're well positioned if there is like kind of a spike in cases that comes with associate like with the opening of phase three and phase four of the restore illinois plan but more importantly the accessibility of tests has shot up too and i know that some cities and municipalities are probably a little bit hesitant because of how many tests the nhl is going to need in order to be able to execute its program and i know they keep saying like oh we're not gonna take away testing capability from anybody just so we can have our tournament or whatever but ultimately you do have to have labs that process these results especially if you want to get them quickly so testing capability is a big thing and chicago just yesterday announced that anybody who's been to any protests at all in the last couple of weeks is eligible to go get a coronavirus test they just they keep removing restrictions they keep allowing more and more people to take these tests and i think that that's a really good indicator that the city would be able to handle an influx of new tests if the NHL is going to end up coming up here. So between the hospitalization data, between the positivity rate going down, the number of cases going down, the test, like all the amenities, all of that stuff definitely works in Chicago's favor, I think. And yet, no, they have not been named as a favorite. They're still, you know, kind of wide open. I saw the Las Vegas Review Journal today did say that they expect Las Vegas to be one of the two hub cities. That, Jay, raises a very interesting question because the NHL never explicitly said they had to have uh, hub cities in the West and in the East. Right. Would you be mad if Chicago was named as a hub city, but the Blackhawks went to Las Vegas instead and the Eastern Conference had its tournament here? No, I wouldn't be mad about that. I think it makes sense. I th- didn't they sort of hint at the fact that there's not going to be a home ice advantage for teams 
uh, during this. I'm not, you know, I, I, look, I understand the complication of making this thing work in the first place. So I'm not going to get hung up on that. We can't go to the games anyway. So to me, right. it doesn't really make. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was that was exactly <laughs> where I was leaning. Is that it doesn't matter where the games are. There won't be fans in the stands. Right. I. Th- what it concerns me about Vegas is that I'm not as uh, hip on how they've been handling the coronavirus as I am with obviously Illinois as I live here. Um, but that, do you know off the top of your head, like have they been getting better? Have they been getting worse? I know Arizona's been getting bad. Texas has been getting bad. Florida's been getting bad. All the places that reopened early and did all that stuff. Well, what a shock that uh, this is an actual real pandemic and it's not a political thing uh, designed to make people look stupid. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just funny, like, as frustrated as everybody was in Illinois, and I know a lot of people were mad at Pritzker and mad at Lori Lightfoot for taking away their freedoms and all that stuff. Well, it's worked. Look at the stats. Look at the data. Staying home has worked and props to everybody. And mo- look, most people... And Michigan is a really good example. They're the ones who are outside with their machine guns protesting. But on the whole, the state of Michigan really cooperated and uh, did a terrific job. They're, I think they're leading the nation in uh, in the rate of recovery, you know, in the rate of not recovery, but hospitalizations going down. So right. the, the states that have followed the rules have done pretty damn well. So that's good. And, and, and obviously Vegas, you can get every, every team their own hotel. And it's not going to cause much of a dent in anything for them. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Chicago and Vegas, sign me up. But really, James, sign me up for anywhere. I don't care where it is as long as there's hockey and cameras. That's all I need. <laughs> and Doc Emmerich. Um, <laughs> according, according to um, some data provided by the Southern Nevada Health District, it does seem as though cases are gradually ticking up in Clark County where Las Vegas is, but hospitalizations are beginning to go down. And I know that they just uh, reopened some of the uh, casinos and stuff like that in Las Vegas. And so there probably is going to be a spike in cases, but it's just, it's a very interesting mixed bag of data when you have your cases and hospitalizations going up a little bit, but you have your deaths going down. So yeah, it's kind of uh, some interesting uh, data here that they're providing out there in Clark County. So I'm definitely intrigued to see how that uh, continues to play out as the NHL gets ready to make its decision. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting. I just, I didn't, what do you I, make of uh, Justin Trudeau's uh, declaration up in Canada that uh, different provinces are going to be able to kind of start to make some determinations based on what they think is in their best interest health wise do you think that that would potentially give a little bit of a boost to canadian chances if you will be able to say cross the border and you can expect to uh, be able to get the number the amount of testing and the appropriate level of coronavirus cases do you think that the nhl would i don't know prefer to have at least one of the cities be in canada I, yeah, I think that's not a bad idea, but the you you mentioned it there. Are they going to be able to, um, you know, with the travel, the passports, all that stuff? You know, you always see when Canadian players from Canadian teams get traded to U.S. teams. Sometimes there's work visa issues. If they can get through all that, then I think that makes some sense. Just based on the way the healthcare works in Canada versus here, you might be able to have more access to more tests. Um, yeah, look, really, man, there's no bad idea for me as long as it's safe, as long as the testing is, uh, you know, as long as the players are getting tested and the staffs are getting tested while not hurting the populace in terms of testing availability, they can play anywhere really. And I, I think it would be, I think the NHL would love to have it happen in Canada, but again, I don't know really what difference it's ultimately going to make when this starts. And I think Patrick Kane brought up a good point in his piece where he said, look like it's going to be weird to play in empty buildings, but I think the novelty of this is going to get a lot of attention on the playoffs. A lot of people will be watching, especially if hockey's the first sport back now, by the way, as we've been podcasting, John Heyman uh, is reporting that the MLB and the players association are close to a deal to return to play. This Mm, just, just happened. Yeah, so um, apparently Tony Clark and the MLB had uh, meetings today, and they went very well. I'll update you with what it says right now. It says, breaking 
MLB and Players Union are closing in on an agreement to play the 2020 season via players. Deal expected to be for prorated pay and include expanded playoffs. As part of the pending agreement to play the 2020 season between MLB and the Players Union, the union has agreed to waive any grievance. So there's this is happening as we're recording. That tweet was four minutes old that I just read. So maybe baseball will be back first. But, I mean, look, we're getting – I still think, even if it's just baseball and hockey, because the NBA, the players' own team is on board in the NBA. I don't know. Maybe it's just a couple guys who are high-profile – but to me, as of right now, of the three, doesn't doesn't basketball seem the farthest away from playing? Which is kind of ironic because they, you know, generally have like the commissioner that's viewed most favorably by fans, and it does seem like the players are kind of wanting some changes to be made. And I, I mean, I understand all of that, like whether it's about the testing itself, the safety issues, the social justice issues that I know a lot of players are also very adamant about speaking out about I think that all of those things do kind of play into it but I do think that just getting your sport back into the national consciousness and getting it in a form that is going to be easy for fans to digest and to get behind I think is going to be ultimately the key and I do think that the NHL with this additional play-in rounds you add in eight more teams and then you go to the more traditional kind of Stanley Cup playoff format I think that that's ultimately going to be really good for the game and I do think that by the time especially by the time we get through that play-in round I think the quality of play is going to be really ratcheted up and I think it's going to be really good for people to kind of see the NHL product at its best. And so I think that it has really behooved the NHL to try to get this thing figured out and to get the players back on the ice as safely as they can. And I think that they have a really good opportunity here to get a lot of eyeballs on their best possible product. And I'm really kind of hoping that everything works out according to plan because that's just another way to get more people into the sport. Dang it. We want this tent to be bigger. We want more fans to kind of uh, be there to talk about this awesome game with James uh, you and I talk all the time about how we are endlessly impressed by the dedication of our Madhouse podcast listeners and their commitment to us and how they've helped us out Uh, a couple episodes ago we debuted I think maybe we've only done one so far actually our, our new partner in Dr. Squatch the soap company that I started using and subscribing to and absolutely fell in love with well our partnership is well underway And our listeners have really responded and placed their orders. I talked about the skin condition I was dealing with where my hands would be so dry that they would literally crack and bleed. There were certain fabrics I couldn't even pick up without them sticking to my hand, like a microfiber cloth. If that was in the laundry, I'd do everything I could to avoid touching it because it hurt my hands just to touch it. So I saw an Instagram ad for Dr. Squatch, subscribed, bought in, and my life changed. Uh, as As soon as the soap arrived, I started using the uh, cedar citrus and the pine tar and saw immediate results well my next shipment has arrived and i'm now using the cold brew cleanse which is like coffee scented but it's also got a little hint of chocolate in it and it has coffee grounds in it for the exfoliation and i'm also using the cool fresh aloe which is which smells so good that i have gone up to my bathroom several times just to smell the soap i legitimately look forward to showering every single day i also use their hair care kit Go to DrSquatch.com, add $20 worth of products to your cart, and use the promo code MADHOUSE. You'll save on your order. You will help the podcast at the same time. We've got an excellent agreement with the people at Dr. Squatch, and everyone who's ordered Dr. Squatch so far has loved it. Uh, My daughter's using it. My wife is using it. I've given bars to my friends, and they have immediately placed orders of their own. I'm telling you, if you subscribe to Dr. Squatch or just place a one-time order, you will be hooked. You will love it. You'll weigh the. You'll love the way your skin feels. You'll love the way your hair feels. They've also got the beard oil, cologne. They've also got a candle, a bay rum candle. So, I recommend if I if I'm placing a first time order, I'm going with the pine tar for the exfoliation and the beautiful scent. I'm going with the cool fresh aloe just to make your skin nice and smooth and soft. The hair care kit. And make sure you get yourself a soap saver to make those thick bricks, as they call them last as long as they possibly can. So go to DrSquatch.com, enter promo code MADHOUSE to save and to help us out. So many of you have done it already. We thank you so very, very much. All right, now on to something that James and I have discussed a little bit in the past. 
Deadspin, over the last little bit, has reemerged after they sort of shut their doors a couple months ago. Our buddy Sam Fells from Faxes at Uncle Dale has started writing for Deadspin, and Jesse Spector, a uh, baseball writer, has started writing for Deadspin. This week, he did a piece on sports logos and sports mascots that are still problematic, and as you'd expect, the Blackhawks logo, the Native American logo, uh, showed up on the story, and in light of everything going on with um, you know the Black Lives Matter movement, and the light sort of shined on everything after that. We saw Aunt Jemima was uh, canceled today. The, the Quaker Oats company is doing away with Aunt Jemima. I believe I saw a story that Uncle Ben today also uh, is being uh, discontinued because of the, uh, the you know, the way the brand looks. I know that Land O'Lakes Butter has taken away the Native American logo. Um, this is something that the Blackhawks are going to have to face pretty soon it's something that's going to come up it's a weird time where they're in flux between you know the Danny Wirtz era and the John McDonough era but I found myself as I was thinking about this story if John McDonough was still employed by the Blackhawks would he have addressed this by now would he have announced you know in light of everything going on in light of the revelations we've all been forced to consider over the last few weeks we've decided that next year we're going to get a new logo who knows I don't know but I think within the next five years, maybe sooner, we could be looking at a brand new Blackhawks logo. Yeah, we could be looking at logos for a lot of teams changing, I think. And, you know, we've we've talked about it often that it's not about whether or not like you personally are offended by the logo. It's just a matter of doing what ultimately is right. And caricatures of Native Americans, you know, at the end of the day, it's just it's not right. And I know that we you know, we haven't been like beating the drum, so to speak, and just encouraging like teams to get rid of the logos immediately. But we definitely have been pushing for real conversations to happen and not just say, oh, it's tradition or, oh, we'll look into it later. Like these conversations can't be put on hold anymore. Eventually, you do have to, you know, make a decision. And I think ultimately what the Blackhawks are going to do and what they should do is they should transition to another logo. We saw the Cleveland Indians finally get rid of Chief Wahoo a few years ago. It's my fervent hope that the Washington Redskins eventually get rid of not only their logo, but their name too. And I just, I think that if we're going to make those types of declarations, if we're going to say that the Atlanta Braves should get rid of the Tomahawk chop, all those things, I think it only is right that the Blackhawks would have to switch their logo. And I've seen plenty of potential options for that to happen that have been designed by just fans. And I think that the team will ultimately come to that conclusion. They will change the logo and guess what? everything's going to be fine. Yeah. The world's not going to fall apart if the Blackhawks change their name or change their logo. I think that they want to be on the right side of history. I do think that it's that time to have that discussion to start moving away from the Indian head logo. I think they can still be called the Blackhawks. I think there's, you know, I don't think there's any issue with that. For years, I think it was, I think 1986 is when the Blackhawks, merged the word Blackhawks into one word. It was Blackhawks forever. And I think that officially changed in the, it was either 85, 86 or 86, 87, where they combined it into one word. Um, all you need to do is change that Native American face to a black hawk and you're done. Maybe you want to do away with the Tomahawks. Maybe you can make those hockey sticks or something like that. In the grand scheme of things, Look, we all love the logo. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't speak for all of us, but most of us really like the logo. We like the way it looks. The uniforms are beautiful, but it's not going to take away any of your memories. It's not going to take away any of the Blackhawks' six Stanley Cups or any of their records. It's just going to be a new look. Teams change their logos all the time. Um, I'm not saying I would be, you know, I'm not, I'm not pushing for it, but I'm not, it's not about me, right? It's about, the people that feel that it's offensive and look as we sort of start to evaluate these things more and more with a little more of an open mind uh it, it seems like a pretty obvious move to make and uh i'd be surprised if let's say three years from now if the blackhawks logo hasn't changed i will call that an upset 
because it's going to take a year for it to happen because they're going to have to like just like they did with with uh, Cleveland. They said this will be the last year with the uh, Chief Wahoo. And then they had to get everything changed, new logos for the uniforms, the hats, all the merchandise, everything has. It's a huge, huge process to change your logo. It's nothing that could happen overnight. But I wouldn't be surprised if next year or the year after is the final year of the Warrior head on the Blackhawks logo. That would not surprise me. I think it would actually be an upset. Yeah, and especially once they get the new president in place, I think that we could definitely see that conversation, the pace of that kind of accelerating. I think that that's going to ultimately be the key to get the new um, figure in place to kind of make these determinations. I don't think that I don't see Rocky Wirtz like unilaterally making that decision. I think that that's something that a new president and a new kind of regime in that department, I think, is going to end up doing, especially if they do really switch to more of a Cubs model with a president of hockey ops and a president of business ops. I think that that could certainly accelerate the pace of all of these conversations that are going to take place. All right. I think we've covered all the news of the week, James. I know it's been a newsy week, but, man, we are – we're getting close to hockey. July 10th, training camps officially open. There's Blackhawks on the ice this week. It's it's good to see. It's 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 something I didn't I wasn't sure we were going to see this year. And all signs point to hockey coming back soon. So with that, we're going to wrap things up here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate the support. Just like I mentioned, with all of you guys jumping in on Doctor Squatch right away, uh, it's just a sign of how committed and how loyal our audiences. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. We will talk to you very, very soon on the next episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Don't forget to send us an email, madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at madhousepod and check out madhousepod.com for all your Madhouse Podcast needs. I'm Jay Zawoski. He's James Naveau. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. Guarantee cancel within first 14 days. Discount with two months of auto delivery. Food charge and shipped every four weeks. Call or see website for details. Do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health? Now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow, and you'll see results in your first week. Just text BODY to 323232. You'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat burning mode. Text BODY to 323232 right now and get 50 percent off a month of meals and shakes that's right 50 percent off a month of meals and 50 percent off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system just text body to 323232 right now there's even a money-back guarantee millions of people have lost weight with nutrisystem and you can too lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months just text body to 323232 that's b-o-d-y to 323232 texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages message and data rates may apply reply stop to opt out For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's.